You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. This morning, we are continuing a series, really finishing out, we started at the beginning of this month, called The Search for Significance. I don't know about you, but man, significance can sometimes be such a challenge. Uh, if you want to go deeper in this, just a side note, um, there's a book by Robert McGee called The Search for Significance. It is an excellent dynamic book. If that's something you're like, man, I really struggle with finding my significance in the right things. I try to find significance in all the wrong things and relationships or my job or all these things, and they always seem to fall short. If, you want to, if, you're, a good, if you're a reader, man, I encourage you to pick it up. It's on Kindle or printed, and uh, it's called The Search for Significance by Robert McGee. Before we jump into God's Word this morning, um, next Sunday, we are starting a new series called Making Money Work. This is where you cue that music, money, 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 uh, guys. Oh, they didn't do it. I'm just kidding. Um, but money, money is something that sometimes we get like really skittish about when we hear maybe in church or somewhere. Like, we don't talk about that. Well, here's the deal. It's the elephant in the room, Right? We're in the middle of a pandemic. Finances are a mess. People's jobs and unemployment and, and, and all these different things, you know, uh, stimulus checks. You know, like money's coming from different places and it's going out faster than it's coming in sometimes. And, and, and you know what uh, I love is God's word addresses what we're facing. His, his, the, the Bible doesn't just address things that like really are for the religious folk and then everyone else over here is like, that's things out of touch. The Bible actually addresses things that are very practical to our lives. And money is one of them. And there are some really solid principles that we're going to walk through in the month of October uh, about how do we manage money. Not how do we give more money to the church. Not how do we become wealthier beyond our imagination. But there's some solid principles in Scripture that talk about how do we make the most with what we have. Whether that's a lot or a little. How do we make the most with what we have? How can we make sure that we are honoring Jesus. And here was the intention really throughout Scripture of God's principles of money, that God's people should not be attached to the ebbs and flows of the economic world in our physical world, that, that we can operate in principles that whether in good times or bad times, that we can be a blessing and that God can provide for us. And so we're going to be walking through some very practical, biblical steps throughout the month of October of how do we make the most with what we have? How do we take what God says about this one thing that that really affects all of us, that maybe is something that you lose sleep over, worry about? What does God's word say about this that we can find life even in difficult circumstances? So I hope you can join us throughout the month, whether it's online or here in person. And we're going to dive into that very practical. That'll be next Sunday. We'll be kicking that off, making money work. Now, uh, just over a decade before the Civil War took place, in the spring of 1850, there was a book that was released by American author Nathan Hawthorne that sent shockwaves across the nation. And it was a book called The Scarlet Letter that was a fictional work but dealt with a very, very real issue of shame. And, and the story followed this, this young lady. Her name was uh, Hester Prine. And she has an affair. And the result of this affair is a young baby girl that she named Pearl. And uh, the, the, the village that she lived in um, wanted to punish her for this immorality. And so they forced her, required her, to wear a scarlet A, standing for adulterer, the rest of her life. The, the scorn, the pain uh, that, that, that this brought on her 
didn't just come upon herself, but also on her daughter. And, and throughout the book, she strives to pay penance for the mistakes she's made. She tries to serve the poor, to help those in need, but it was to no avail. And you see throughout the book that she lives a fairly isolated life, lonely, dealing with the pain of her shame and her actions. And, and this is how her life ends. And now, while this is a fictional story, you know, it's not real, author Nathan Hawthorne made it up, uh, it, it's tragic, it's heart-wrenching, but it's oddly familiar. It's the story that so many in our world today deal with. And, and if we're brutally honest with each other today, it's a story that many of us face. We're trying to outrun our shame. We're trying to overcome things that maybe we're not proud of. You see, what makes the Scarlet Letter tragic wasn't simply the mistake that Esther Prine made, because marriage is a real covenant that we should honor, we should respect. What's tragic, though, is, is that her mistake would come to define the rest of her existence here on earth. That, that this mistake that she made changed everything. And, and this is a struggle that many of us face. Mistakes we make, moments we mess up, even things that are done against us uh, or, or to us can define our lives for the rest of our existence. Now, some might confuse these ideas of guilt and shame, that, that, that guilt and shame are basically the same thing, and while they're conceptual cousins, they are very different. Guilt is something we experience because of a misstep, mistake, or something that happens to us in a moment. Shame is something that guilt produces that identifies and labels us really for a long period of time. We deal with shame, and, it, and it's difficult. And, and today, there's so many different kinds of scarlet letters that we can clothe ourselves with. Some, some here today wear the scarlet letter of an alcoholic. Like, like uh, Esther Prine's daughter Pearl, it may not even be something that you have done, but maybe a family member, a parent has done, that you carry and adorn yourself with that difficult scarlet letter. Or, or others of you might, might be the scarlet letter of abuse that was done against you and has consequently shaped your future, your identity. It could even be the scarlet letter of poor decisions as a parent or difficulty in your workplace, struggles with your finances. And those decisions still haunt you today. In the second part of the Bible, if you're not familiar, the Bible's made into kind of two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament, which build on each other. And In the second part of the Bible, the New Testament, there are these books called the Gospels. And the Gospels really tell the story of Jesus. And in the Gospel of John, there's this very similar story to that of Esther Prine that's recorded. Although this one wasn't fictional, it actually happened. It was true. It's the story of a woman caught in the act of adultery by the religious leaders. She's dragged through the city of Jerusalem and brought before Jesus. And, and this story is recorded in John's Gospel in chapter 8. So we're going to start in verse 2. Here's, here's what takes place. At, the dawn, at dawn, he appeared again in the temple. And this is speaking of Jesus. He appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What, now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Now, while this story seems to really be about the Pharisees trying to trap Jesus. The real focal point of this story isn't the Pharisees or Jesus. It's actually this woman. She was a woman that was obviously caught in the act of adultery. 
Uh, then she's dragged from the bedroom through the streets of Jerusalem to the public courts of the temple. She, she now finds herself not, not just carrying the label of, of an adulterer, but, but now immersed with the guilt and shame of hundreds of onlookers who had come to the temple courts that day to worship and to hear teaching from their favorite rabbi, Jesus. And, and through this moment, uh, through this moment of incredible shame, the religious leaders are trying to, to in a sense, uh, manipulate her mistake, use her mistake, to cause Jesus to make a mistake in what, how he responds. And what's remarkable about Jesus' response is that while he didn't mem- minimize the, the wrong that she had done, he did recognize that there was a person lying before him. Not just a thing, not just a mistake, but it was a person. And it, and it wasn't a person that carried a prestigious title or position. It wasn't a person that carried wealth or influence necessarily but rather it was a woman that was carrying a shameful, a shameful scarlet letter. She was carrying shame. And, and one of the many things that makes Jesus so remarkable is that he can see past the scarlet letters. He sees the redemption that was possible in this woman's life. He didn't just see the mistake and write her off and stereotype her and, and, and say, well, this is what's going to happen. He saw past the scarlet letter. He saw past the shame, saw the redemption that could take place. And listen to this in the second part of verse 6. Jesus responds, it says, But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. But when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And with that, Jesus acknowledged what everyone knew but wouldn't talk about. Not, not that the whole world is evil and corrupt, but that we all have things that could potentially bring shame into law, in our lives. In, in, in other words, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And he acknowledges that. And, and what Jesus was doing here is he was turning the religious leaders' poison back on them. And he goes on, next verse, verse 9, it says, At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with a woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Now, now Jesus didn't, as I mentioned, didn't ignore or overlook the wrong that had been done here. But he recognized that the antidote to shame, the shame that this woman was experiencing, the scarlet letter, so to speak, that she was wearing, the, the antidote wasn't punishment. It wasn't retribution or public scorning as Hester Prine experienced, it was grace. The antidote to shame is grace. And this is why Jesus came to this earth. Not, not to start a religion, not to give us something to argue about, or even to provide some really cool holidays to celebrate. Jesus came to buy back our significance with his incredible, undeserving grace. He, he came to mute the shame and scorn that society is so good at throwing on us. And to show us a better way. Uh, Ultimately, a way of redemption. That God can take our shame. He can take our mistakes. And he can transform it. Your past doesn't have to define you any longer. And and here's a simple idea I'm going to share with you this morning, these few moments. Shame loses its power in the presence of God's grace. Shame loses its power over us in the presence of God's grace. And this is what the prophet Isaiah wrote hundreds of years before Jesus 
walk the earth. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. He writes, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And here's, here's what we're getting at here. We see in Isaiah and throughout this story. Jesus doesn't just cover our shame. He, he doesn't just hide our shame like, hey, we're going to sneak this into this corner that no one will see so everyone can kind of see the shiny thing over here. You do that maybe with your kids. I do that with my kids. You know, they want the candy. I'm like, look at this shiny thing. Get rid of this, you know. Jesus doesn't do that with our shame. He doesn't just hide it. He doesn't just cover it. He transforms it. He transforms our shame. He takes what is crimson, what is scarlet, and he makes it white. Shame loses its power in the presence of God's grace. And today, today, I don't know what you've walked into this place with. Maybe you jumped in online, and there's so much going on in your life. You've done a really good job at hiding, concealing the scarlet letters of shame in your life. In fact, some of the people closest to you may not even know the shame that you've been carrying. It's been exhausting. It's been draining, almost paralyzing. And as the worship team comes today, every day, in, in numerous moments throughout the day, that shame shows its ugly face and you shriek at the thought of it. Maybe today's the day that someone finds out this thing that I'm ashamed of. Maybe today's the day that that, that scarlet letter shows its ugly face. And you wish you could get rid of it. You wish so badly that one day it could just disappear and, and, and it would be gone. But like Esther Prine, you've chosen to isolate your scarlet letter, to hide it, to live with the assumed permanence of that shame. And you've determined that ultimately it's going to be the lot that you have to carry the rest of your life. And you've come to grips with that truth and that fact. I want you to know today, if that's you, there's a better way. There's a better way. You you don't have to live your life with that shame, with that scarlet letter carrying with you the rest of your life. Your life, your future, your purpose is far more valuable than carrying some scarlet letter, than carrying shame. Because shame loses its power in the presence of God's grace. The Apostle Paul wrote it really well in his letter to the Roman church. In, in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Can you say no condemnation with me? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free. Can you say set you free? has set you free from the law of sin and death. This is what I love about what Paul's writing. There's no condemnation. Not like, hey, there's a little bit of condemnation thrown in with that grace. There's no condemnation. It doesn't mean that we just do whatever we want and we can just screw up and make mistakes and God's like, no big deal. No, there's no condemnation. Why? Because shame loses its power in the presence of God's grace. We can be set free. See, 2,000 years ago, Jesus took our shame upon his shoulders, not because he was forced to or had to, but because he chose to. He chose to take on our shame so ultimately we could receive his grace. That some of you have been wearing your shame for so long. You don't even know what grace feels like or looks like. It's such a foreign concept. Today, it's time 
your shame encounters the presence of God, the grace of God. It's time your scarlet letter meets the, the supernatural washing power of God's grace, that what is scarlet could be washed as white as snow. And I, I don't know what kind of stuff you might have walked into this place with. I, I don't know what things you're hiding that maybe even no, no one even next to you knows. But there's someone that does know. His name is Jesus. He, he knows the things that maybe are secrets that you're ashamed of. Things that maybe no one else knows about you. He knows them about you. And you know what? He still loves you. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't labeled you. He doesn't look at you through the lens of your scarlet letter. He looks at you through the lens of redemption. Just as he did to that woman lying there in front of him in the temple courts. He didn't see a woman here who's an adulterer and should be out of his presence and banished. He saw a woman with a future, with a purpose that, that he was going to die for. He saw past the scarlet letter, past the shame, and he saw redemption. Jesus sees the same for you. Whether you walked into this place, whether you're watching online, wherever you might be, Jesus sees past the shame. He sees redemption. And just as this woman did, Jesus said, I, I don't condemn you, now go and sin no more. She had to act upon that. It wasn't just like something Jesus did and said, now I'm just going to magically do everything for you. No, she had to act upon it. She had to be obedient to that command that Jesus said, now go and sin no more. I'm not going to condemn you, but go and sin no more. For us today, there's an action, there's a response that we have to say, Jesus, I accept your redemption. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your grace. That can transform my shame, my mistakes, my sin. I'm going to commit to live in a way that honors you, the path that you have for me, in a way that brings glory to your name, that, that ultimately helps me fulfill the purpose you put me on this earth for. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord, I thank you for another day. Lord, I thank you for the gift of your presence. Lord, I thank you for your grace. God, I pray for those this morning. God, even this, I was praying earlier this morning, Lord, I know that there are people here, God, who are broken, who feel so empty because their shame has destroyed them. They're, they're worried about what others are thinking and, and how, how they're viewed by others. And Lord, you view them as a child of God that you love and you created. God, I pray today that your forgiveness, your grace would begin to transform would cut the chains that have bound them, would set them free as we read, that they would walk not as a prisoner, but as a free man or woman of God. God, that they would encounter your spirit and be changed. If you're here this morning and you've never taken a step to commit your life to Jesus, to say, I want to follow Jesus. I, I, I want to encounter the love and grace of Jesus. Not in a warm and fuzzy way, in a, in a way to say, my life is going to change from this moment. My destiny is going to change from this moment. If that's you this morning, whether you're here in person or watching online, in a moment, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to reach your hand toward heaven. You might be sitting in your living room. Reach your hand toward heaven. As, as a physical act, as I mentioned, we act upon this to say, Jesus, that's me. I want, I want, to, I want to experience a redemption. I want to commit my life. Make a, make a decision, a promise, a commitment today. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to experience your grace, but I'm not going back to that. That stuff's not going to define me any longer. That's you. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to reach your hand toward heaven on three. One, two, three. If that's you this morning, why don't you reach your hand toward heaven here, whether you're watching online or in person. 
you put your hands down, I'm asking everyone to pray this prayer with me together, whether you raised your hand or not. What we're going to pray isn't some super fancy prayer. It's just a conversation with God that I want to lead you in. My hope is that this would be the first of many prayers, many conversations you have with God. You share what's on your heart, good and bad. Would you pray this prayer with me together? Dear God, thank you for loving me as I am. Thank you for loving me enough to not leave me that way. Today, I invite your grace and your forgiveness into my life that my life would be forever changed. That from this day forward, I walk in freedom, no longer bound by my past. Give me the strength and the courage to follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you, if you prayed that prayer, you, you said, man, I want to begin this journey. We want to put some resources in your hand because this isn't just a little prayer we pray. This is really important. It's about your future, your purpose. We want to help you continue that journey. So if you have a mobile phone, pull your cell phone out. If you don't have a mobile phone, steal your neighbors and use theirs. But um, make sure you give it back to them after you're done. But text, five, or text new to Jesus to 55498 and we can get you some resources to help you continue that journey. It's new to Jesus, the 55498. Uh, before we wrap up this morning, can you stand with me? Wh- whether you've been following Jesus for, for decades or this is the first time, we struggle. We struggle with this idea of shame. Every single one of us. We struggle with shame. We, we constantly try to put these scarlet letters back on ourselves. And Jesus is saying, I died for that. You don't have to do that anymore. And you know what's really important for us to remind ourselves of that? We're going to sing a song here in a minute. But, but before we do, can, can we kind of make a declaration uh, uh, together to say, you know what? Where, where, the, where, where God is at, where the Spirit of God is, I'm free. I'm not, I'm not going to let the enemy lie to me any longer that I'm a slave. I'm not. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Do you believe that? If you, if you feel comfortable this morning, uh, just lifting your hands, can we just say this together? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, I am free. Can you say that with me? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, I am free. Can we, can we say it one more time? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, I am free. One more time. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, I am free. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 